Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Travis has made a a specific request for there to be no jokes, no fun, no enjoyment. In particular, just solemn conversation. Well, that's just because if I laugh, I start to cough because I've got just some... I don't have COVID. I don't have... My doctor says I don't have pneumonia. Um, it just says drink drink some uh, tea with honey and your throat. It'll be fine. So maybe something just with my throat and chest and all that. So so if, if you're listening and you're hoping for something deep and sweet and profound and also light and funny, the reason why we're not funny today is is to respect Travis. It has nothing to do with the fact that we don't have a sense of humor that people relate to or anything like that. Exactly. It's not that sometimes when we tell jokes, we have to at the end go, wasn't that a funny joke, guys? <laughs> or explain the joke? That most people don't understand, most people don't get the jokes uh, because of poor execution. It's not because the jokes aren't good jokes. It's probably because the execution of the jokes are poor. But this time, there will be no jokes. No, jo- no, humor. no joking. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Um, oh, wait. We're just coming off of Easter. We are now. The timing is going to mess with me because I did this last time. For us, we just celebrated Easter. How was it? How was, it was the weekend? It was great. We had a great, great weekend two weekends ago. Two weekends ago. A week, <laughs> a week and a half ago. Oh, there we go. <coughs> if you think that an old smoker just entered the room, it did not. It is the not having COVID Travis. Yes. Well, yes. good. Yeah, you had a crazy weekend. You did the Good Friday thing. Yeah, Good Friday service, which was awesome. You got a haircut I, that day. Yeah, we're going over every. You got a haircut. <laughs> probably did some stretching. We had our Easter egg. I mowed event. the yard that day too. So we counting that. Okay, don't brag. <laughs> <laughs> you had the Easter egg. <coughs> oh my gosh! Disgusting. Easter egg event, which went went swimmingly. Yep. That was awesome, just to have some people from the neighborhood out, as yeah. well as just to see some kids running around enjoying the weather, enjoying some candy. Yep. My son, personally, was uh, a, a train wreck that day because of all of the sugar that he had. So I know he enjoyed it. Good. That's awesome. You got to officiate a wedding. Yeah, did a wedding. Uh, shout out to Brett and Becca. Um, enjoying their... Probably done enjoying their honeymoon and marriage it is. And so celebrating them. Mm -hmm. And then obviously Sunday morning, celebrating Easter. And uh, it was just awesome. Awesome. Awesome weekend. Awesome celebration that Jesus is alive and walked out of the grave. All that good stuff. So Mm -hmm. we had a a blast. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Um, So today, uh, usually what we found out recently is that uh, Travis and I talk about things for like 45 minutes before we, we start recording. And we have fun and what feels like enlightening conversation, conversations that are unscripted that form us. Yes. And then we turn on the uh, the recorder and we go, oh, man, we <laughs> we should have recorded it before. So we are really coming at you unscripted today. But one of the things that I've been I've been learning recently – We've talked about this book before. It's, uh, the book is Humility by Andrew Murray. On on both of our lists of regular reads, so you read it every year. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I'm I'm quite that regular with it, but 
But I do love this book, and it's been, been pretty life-changing for me. But <clears throat> just the concept of humility. Jesus, as one of his primary or his chief attribute, was, was humbling himself. He walked mm. with a recognition that, like, uh, it was his job to serve. He saw that as, like, this is perfect love. It's found in humility. It talks about how... how as followers of Jesus, like our coming to him is always in humility. We are right. formed in humility. Holiness comes through humility. The focus entirely on this idea of humility. Yeah. Um, C.S. Lewis is my favorite quote. He talks about humility and he says, it's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Yeah. Which I think is a beautiful way of, of describing humility. Yeah. Well, uh, how's Murray? Murray puts it. It's, and he, this, there's a whole paragraph to this, but he says it's perfect quietness of heart. It's like, oh, there it is right there. But but when you when you think about that idea, um, humility in, encapsulates so much of the fruit of the Spirit mm-hmm. because without humility, you really can't be anything else. You, you can't – you really can't be loving. You can't be because because what is love? It's it's not self seeking, mm-hmm. right? The biblical love is not self seeking. So, yeah. to love means that you are <clears throat> humble of heart. You're at peace, and that that primarily, obviously, with Andrew Murray is that you're at peace with God. Um, and it, and it and it means you kind of you let down your ego, you let down your shoulders. You don't have anything to prove. You don't have anything to to gain or prove or to show because Jesus is all of that for you. And, and, uh, not only is Jesus that for us, but Jesus exemplified that for us. And so I, yeah, I love, I love that. I love this, uh, book because I struggle with humility mm-hmm. so much. Like yeah. humility's not easy to practice. Just to clarify when I said, yeah, I wasn't just superimposing my thoughts on you or agreeing with you. I was going to say the reason the reason I love this book is not because I've nailed it. It's because of how how wanting I feel in regard to humility. Yeah. Yeah. How, like focused on self I find yeah. myself. Because there he even talks about like there's there's pride in in success and there's pride in failure. Mm-hmm. It's just as long as we are staring at ourselves. And I think yeah. sometimes we we see ourselves as humble when we're like, Oh, I'm no good. Yeah. It's like, nope, you you failed it right there. It's yeah. it's not focusing on ourselves. It's focusing on others. It's that Philippians two passage where it's the it's called the kenosis hymn, the emptying hymn, where Jesus it, it, Paul describes Jesus as although he 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 was he had equality with God, he did not consider it something to be grasped or to be to be held over others' heads. Instead, he humbled himself to become a man, yeah, all the way to the point of death on a cross. And then he also Paul says. Uh, have this same attitude and think of others as more important than yourselves. Yeah. Well, I, I think the the it's like a reminder from Easter that. Uh, if you hear a dog, that's a dog. <laughs> Ignore it. The uh, the reminder from Easter that we are um, is that that's going to throw me off. <laughs> Excuse us. Forgive us for the little break. My dog was uh, barking at a possum, and, and and Travis and I both have a little bit of ADHD, one of us more than the other, but both some. 
We're talking uh, humility. Travis was about to say something really, really, really profound. Lost Not train of thought, and now he's going to pick it back up. No, I was in the middle of saying that we had just celebrated on Easter. When it comes to humility, the very, the the very fact you 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 have to be humble in order to even receive Jesus. Hmm. Um, he doesn't come to those who are proud, but he comes to the humble. Yeah. The reason being not because he's like, oh, I like the humble, and not the. It's like it's because the humble actually acknowledge they need a savior and they need someone to live and lead their life. And so the proud say, I have this all under control. I'm fine the way I am. Judge me as I am and leave me alone. The humble say, I need someone to save me and I need someone to lead me. Um, and that, that being the very difference in how we enter into a relationship with Jesus or we keep him away. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, the, the crazy thing for most of us who want to achieve everything on our own, prove that we're good enough, all this stuff is like this is a, such a counterintuitive idea is that our safest place is being stripped of what we have. So even Paul, I think in I think it's Second Corinthians, First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, when he says that that Jesus spoke to him and said, "It is uh, in your weakness I am. That mm. is my my strength is perfected." Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that doesn't make sense. Like right. I'm str- I'm strongest when I am weak is a Almost just sounds like a like a fun T-shirt or like song line, but like to actually put that into to play. Uh, one of the one of the things that's really stuck out to me, I can preface this by explaining. Um, we had our our hub meeting. I've mentioned this a couple times. We're still sitting in First John. We're going through First John chapter five. Uh, as is like me, we were going to th- go through. I guess like both of us, you just preached a sermon where you said you were going to read fourteen verses and did seven. We were going to go through 12 verses, and we did five. So if we, you want to be more productive, you might be listening to the wrong, <laughs> the wrong guys. If you want to get through it quickly. <clears throat> yeah. So um, John, in this passage, kind of explains the interplay of faith. And I have this analogy in my head. You know the recycling thing with the arrows? Yeah. Um, as I'm reading this, I, I kind of have this this picture of the recycling logo with the arrows, and, and there's three different boxes, and the first one says, uh, true faith is, it's love for God. The next box kind of on the, the next area is, it's love for God's children, and then the last one is keeping his commandments, and there's this interplay of what faith is. And within this text, he also says that that, that what this actually looks like uh, and he uses this phrase of being an overcomer, which is an interesting phrase. The Greek word for to, to overcome is used like 24 to 28 times in the New Testament. John uses it 21 times. Like this is a big theme for him. And in this passage, he's talking about what it means to be an overcomer. And he explains an overcomer in Jesus being overcome. You, you overcome death. You overcome the world. You overcome sin. Like you're living it's in, in victory is kind of the phrasing that we use. And he says, basically, there's three characteristics if you go through it. And the first one is faith. The second one is love, love for God, love for others. And the last one is uh, obedience. And so we sort of broke apart and did kind of some, we call them like discipleship questions, where we'll ask a question, um, and then the next two questions will be, what are you going to do about it, and how can we help? I think we've discussed that a couple times on here. But the question that I I would kind of pose for us to answer was, which of these three areas do you feel like God is most needing to grow in your life? Faithful, like like faith, trust, belief in him, love for him and others, 
or third um, obedience. And just for, for vulnerability's sake, my answer was, was love for others. And part of the reason why I struggle with the love for others and like the, the idea, the mentality of like serving others is because it's so easy for me to fall into a trap of I deserve this or um, or I know more about this topic or something like that. And uh, this passage was pretty arresting for me in this in this book, Humility. <clears throat> so he asked this question, if you would uh, humor me for like 30 seconds. He says, the question is often asked, how can we count others better than ourselves when we see that they are far below us in wisdom and in holiness, in natural gifts or in grace received? The question proves at once how little we understand of of real what real lowliness of mind is which is kind of a lame he like puts us out there and it's like oh yes i can relate and he's like you don't understand like, yeah yeah <laughs> darn it and he says true humility comes when in the light of god we have seen ourselves to be nothing to have consented to part with and cast away with self to let god be all the soul that has done this and can say so have i lost myself in finding you no longer compares itself with others, which that's a that one hurts right there because that's all I want to do is compare myself with others in my flesh. Um, and then it says, it has given up forever every thought of self in God's presence. It meets its fellow men as one who is nothing and seeks nothing for itself, who is a servant of God for and for his sake a servant of all. A faithful servant may be wiser than the master and yet retain the true spirit and posture of the servant. And then this part is is the one that really sh- struck my heart. He says, The humble man looks upon every, the feeblest and unworthiest child of God, and honors, <coughs> and honors him and prefers him in honor as the son of a king. And so I feel like this is, in, in thinking about humility and how to be, living in this this posture that that God has made me to live in I tend to uh I tend to at times see myself as a son of a king like Jesus has redeemed and ransomed me he's given me life and I am unworthy but I am his son and then the people around me sometimes I I'm like oh that's the weird cousin that's like been in the backwoods and doesn't <laughs> like hasn't figured any of this stuff mm-hmm. out when in reality, like what God, what God has called me to do is to look at others as sons and daughters of a king, mm. and that was that was really striking for me. Oh, that's good. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a big. Uh, I think I think that ultimately is is that's a huge realization because we don't often want to put other people at the same place that we see ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that can be difficult to get to, you know, sometimes we want to help people because we look at them with compassion Mm -hmm. or with empathy. Other times we look at people like we want to get to where they're at or, or be like them in some way, shape or form, but instead to have the same view of people around us, uh, and value them the way that maybe, maybe Jesus values them or God values them or sees them. I think that's a really hard, that's a heart work. Yeah. Not just behavioral work, you know, it's not just being polite for polite sake. Yeah. It is really viewing people with different eyes and refle- yeah. reflecting in different ways about people. Yeah. It's really challenging too. Cause it goes beyond the, 
the the palpable like things I can hold in my hands. Like I can go yeah. out, and, I can go out and serve and love someone and yeah. appear to be laying my life down, and then internally I'm like, they needed that and I don't, or something like yeah. that. Like, well, it's also what you're saying is not just how do you treat people, like do you say thank you and please? Do mm-hmm. you, you know, smile when you should? And, uh, are you agreeable in right. a sense? Right. Uh, and it's, and it cuts more to what, how do I think about people? Hmm. Because the way that we love or, or, or not love it, it, it stems from what we are constantly thinking about people. So, Philippians says, like, think about whatever is good and lovely and right mm-hmm. and admirable. That helps when we think that way and we build that way of thinking into our life. That that dictates then how we love and see and view people. Yeah. So I think that's a that's a really big, really big deal, really yeah. big jump. Which is a, I've had a couple conversations and thoughts recently where like uh, Christianity is. And following Jesus is like, at one level, it's so simple. And then at another level, it's like, so, like, it's impossible. Like, all right, think of others as more, like, highly than myself. Got it. Sweet. Jesus did it. I can do that. And then I'm, like, in front of somebody. And they're they're being uh, rude and and selfish and stuff like that. And I just want to lay the hammer of justice down and be like... You're selfish. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, there's another another quote or analogy that's that's come to my mind as I'm processing through this. C.S. Lewis and his like autobiography. It's called Surprised by Joy. They also there's like a a play that's come out recently, and a movie that coincides with it called uh, Most Reluctant Convert. I think is what it's called. Mm. So this little movie is actually like kind of reading this book. And one of the things that, that C.S. Lewis says is he's moved from being like a, a hardline atheist to a theist to a Christian to like a Christian apologist and like really making some really significant works in the 20th yeah. century for Christianity. Huge, yeah, huge works. He he's describes this this realization he has, and he said, I, he says, I, I came to realize that I have never and you have never interacted with a mortal being in your life. Someone that is not, that that is just confined to the here and now, physical. Every mm. single person is immortal. And then he uses this this analogy, and I won't I won't paint it as well as he does because he's a magnificent writer. But he he says you've never met a mortal in your life. You either are interacting with people that in eternity will either be so ghastly and hideous that if you saw them it would be worse than anything that you've ever had in a nightmare, or you would interact with people that are so glorious that you would be tempted if you saw them now to fall on your face and worship them. And so he's drawing this line of like, we see people as flesh and blood. We see them as their faults. We see them as like some of the th- the good things they have. And his, his analogy, his realization um, is, is that such a small part of every person that every single person is, is so much more than that. And it's so, I'll just confess for me, it's so easy for me to fall in the trap of, of not thinking about the fact that like, even as I 
profess and I think about and pray about like like the immortality of, of souls and people around me, it's so easy to be like, my neighbor is blowing leaves in my yard again, like and yeah. getting frustrated about that rather than recognizing there's so much more underneath. And yeah. To point back to what you were saying of like when we don't think of people uh, in that light, like we 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 treat them differently than we should. We don't yeah. have we don't have a correct understanding of how valuable people are. Yeah, well, I think that that makes me think that pride is probably undersold. Um, we we kind of we don't realize sometimes that pride plays a bigger role in our lives than just bragging about something that we've accomplished. It actually drives our anger. Hmm. Um, so when somebody's blowing leaves and we get really frustrated at them for blowing leaves, you're like, well, that's not, I'm not being prideful. They're just annoying me. It's yeah. like, well, well, you have, let me just to uh, oversimplify this, you have made yourself the king of your neighborhood and you sat on the throne and said, my time cannot be interrupted. And because your time, the king's time, has been interrupted, you got angry. So it comes from a place of authority that you're that you're getting angry, and that you can only have authority if you have pride. Yeah. And and so the whole th- one of the thesis of the book, maybe I already mentioned, it, but like the this is so humility, as Murray talks about it, is the the disappearance of self mm-hmm. in the in the glory or in the vision that God is all right. That's what, that's what he says. Like, so you, it's like this process of humility is you're literally brick by, by brick, taking down this vision of yourself that has been so important to you yeah, and has also caused so much pain for you because it's pride and you're taking it down, not not to just leave an empty space and leave a void, but to actually build the throne on which God sits at the, the on the throne of your heart. Mm-hmm. That He is now the vision. He's now the everything that you you are like after. And so this is a very like so. There's just pride is so so much deeper in us mm-hmm. than we than we think. We just think like you know. It's I, this is what I, sometimes I like when people are like. Man, uh, pro athletes today are so arrogant and prideful and cocky. Yeah. And when we say that, we're like, they're at another level than we are at ourselves. And it's like, well, that's only one element of pride and arrogance. I'm not saying that they're not, but I'm like, man, again, we're coming from this place of like authority, which is granted by someone or something, usually self self-appointed authority that we have given ourselves and you only can give yourself that authority by pride. And so we either have our authority, which we then rule the world with. Mm -hmm. Right. And it doesn't matter if it's the world or our world, because when our world's interrupted, you've stepped on my pride and all that. Mm -hmm. But we either rule with our authority or we, we rule with the authority that only Jesus gives us. And he says, Hey, all authority in heaven, heaven and earth has been given to me. I like go and uh, so that's such a that's such a big deal that when we think about the antithesis of humility which is pride it's laced in all of our problems yeah there's pride in it yeah and that that is even for us who are really quiet and who keep to ourselves and we get silently angry it's pride that drives that 
and uh, it's it's it is our greatest problem. Yeah, it's interesting. Also, just this this statement, like, <coughs> man, they are so arrogant. Is like, well, the, what you're presuming is that you are not the yeah. same in that statement. Yeah. It just looks different. Yeah, but it's crazy. He in this book, he he looks at the. Uh, the story of the the tax collector and the Pharisee that comes before the the temple to pray, and the Pharisee, as is a a common prayer, was like, um, "Thank you, God, that I am not like this man over here." And so you look at it and you go, "This yeah. guy must be holy." And yeah. All of these things, and then the the tax collector is just sitting in the corner, just beating his chest, going like, "Forgive me, I am a sinner." And part of the analogy that that. Uh, part of the the analysis that, that Andrew Murray gives is like we can even and especially become proud in our like religious affections. We can even and this is like this the sickness of the human heart is like we can even become proud in our humility. Mm. That's yeah. like uh, the irony of of Moses being the one who who penned or dictated or whatever the first five books of the Bible when he's yeah. described as Moses is the most hum- the humblest man, <laughs> but like we I I'm you and I have joked about this before like I I am the most humble man right <laughs> and it's like right yeah. there it's like a it's a snake eating its own tail but we do it so uh, so easily without noticing yeah. Uh, one well, of the go ahead. Go well, ahead. I, and I'm and I, like I do want to make a distinction. Humility doesn't mean that we become, you know, rugs that people walk on. Like we go, oh, we're just everyone else. Just you know, you're better in this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. It's actually having an accurate, accurate self assessment. Yeah, it's actually knowing who you really are and not having to present who you are. Yeah. you don't have to live from a, a place of presentation. You're living from a place of realism. Like, I am a sinner saved by the grace of Jesus. I'm a son of, of, of God. I'm called into his family. Yeah. And by, that's, no, by no merit of mine. Right. And that is, that. not only is that all I need, it is amazing that that is true. And, uh, and, and in that, I'm united with Jesus. I'm, I'm, I am with him. And... There's nothing else I could that could be better, you know. There's a, f- a famous quote. It, it it hits on like exactly what you're saying. Charles Spurgeon at one point he said something like, uh, "Humility is an accurate assessment of who you are. Like it's a it's a real understanding." And so it's funny when when I've 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 heard a number of people say like, "Isn't it really arrogant to to try to think it's your job to share the truth with someone like you own the truth and they don't?" And and the fact of the matter is absolutely. I mean, if you're looking at it like I am the one who came up with the truth, I am the one who holds the keys of the kingdom, and I get to kind of dole it out to whoever I want, then that's pride. Yeah. But it is absolutely humble to be a vessel that's like, no, this has been handed to me. It's the, it's it's the uh, Christians are are nothing but beggars that have found bread that want to offer bread to others. Yeah. Like, there's nothing. Is actually more proud to withhold the truth and and good things because you don't want people to look at you differently, or you don't want others to like f- f- have to feel humbled themselves. Yeah, there's this the thesis that you're just because it's on the back of the book. 
the thesis that you're kind of talking about. Humility is perfect quietness of heart. He goes on to say, humility is to expect nothing, to wander or wonder at nothing that is done to me. It is to feel nothing done against me, which she was. It is to be at rest when nobody praises me and when I am blamed or despised. Just that mentality. Like I don't, man, to achieve half of that, like within my soul, to yeah. be able to like the outside world, while I can be blessed by it, be burdened by like what's going on and, and yeah. the need for Jesus, but to also be able to like just kind of like rescind into myself and just sit with Jesus quietness of heart and say like, I'm good with whatever you've got for me. Yeah. Um, couple of, uh, examples of that, just from Jesus's life. He, uh, the week before he's crucified, we have Palm, we celebrate some Palm Sunday and that's the, he's coming in. It's the triumphal entry and he's on a donkey and they're laying palm branches, but he's being celebrated. Mm Mm-hmm. And in that moment, Jesus doesn't um, capitulate to his greatness and, you know, drink the Kool-Aid of, you know. Finally. Yeah, (laughs) right, right. He doesn't revel in that. Um, And then a week later, he's mocked and he's spit upon and he's Mm -hmm. beaten. And he doesn't capitulate to that either Mm -hmm. because he's why it's like how how do you not like what's the secret of that well it's because of the humility that it gets explained later that he didn't count equality with god something to be grasped mm-hmm. his ambition wasn't for his own recognition it was it was it was in humility he was he was at a place of um a rest in his heart um, he was being who he really was, and that's a that that also means he can receive things. The woman who comes up and offers the the perfume on his feet, where others are like, oh, "That's you know, you know, get away, don't do this," and mm-hmm. he's he's able to receive it as a blessing because he sees in her heart, like he's like, "Oh, she's doing this genuinely. This isn't to she's not trying to get something or whatever. This is this is worship." Um, and so, so he's not, which is what, which is what Ephesians talks about that. What, what does it look like to grow up in maturity? Really? It's, it's to grow up in humility because how do you, Ephesians says, don't be tossed back and forth by the wind of teaching and doctrine Mm -hmm. and the craftiness and scheming of man. So don't like someone says something today I'm on I'm so I'm on this boat and then someone says something differently this day and so I'm over here on this boat and like I should put my life here and here and you're just tossed back and forth in our in our world Jesus is like don't get tossed back and forth how do you not get tossed back and forth will you grow in maturity and you grow in understanding what the truth is and who Jesus is and that's going to be growing in humility that you're perfectly at rest in who Jesus is and says you are and what he's called you to do. So you don't have to go and find philosophies or, you know, the, the trends of the day don't have to be what ultimately you, you, uh, put your anchor in. Um, and so I think that's a beautiful way to look at that. It keeps you, it's not that it just keeps you centered. It's, it's like it, it is your reality. Yeah, that Jesus is your reality, and so these other things become unnecessary for you at yeah. some level. Yeah, that's just a, yeah. It's a it's a 
it's a baffling like home base of uh, the greatest of the least, the least will be the greatest. Like all, like all of those descriptions that Jesus offers into the, the letters, like the greatest place for us to be is just to be dependent upon God. Yeah. And it's not something that... But I read this book sometimes and I'm like, all right, how do I achieve it? Give me the five, like, give me the steps. Show me how to discipline myself. Paul at points is like, I beat my body and make it a slave. And it's like, I'll do that. And then I'll be humble. And it's like, yeah. some of it is just bit like, like the, the secret from my perspective is like, no, just learning to empty yourself. It's, it's learning to surrender that like Jesus is everything. And it's, it's not that he wants to do away with me. It's that he wants to be in control and to take away the things that I rely upon because they're no good for me. Yeah. I do. I do think that, I don't know. There's another, there's probably another distinction because I'm a person, I, I have like ambition and desire. Like I want to do great things. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are times where I'm unsatisfied with what I've done so far in my life. And there's times when I look and I'm, extremely satisfied with what I've done with my life. And I find there's probably a discontentment that's unhealthy in, in that and in, in, on both sides of that. But, but I think uh, ultimately I, I don't think that humility is the stripping of ambition hmm. as though ambition is not important or you can't be humble and ambitious, but it means that what I attach myself to is not the ultimate outcome of my life. It is whether or not I was faithful to what God called me to, and 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 when when He called me to that, it didn't change who I was. It just changed what I did, right? As far as like maybe a career or uh, something ministry wise or mission focused, or or how we we you know what we do with our family. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, it's not the stripping of ambition so much as it's the stripping of Paul Philippians selfish ambition. Yeah. Right. It's the right. what feeds me. That this isn't gives, for me. What gives me worth? What yeah. makes me like look good in other people's eyes? Yeah. Yeah. So and not not letting that become what I'm attached to. Not let the 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 result become what I'm attached to because that would be a selfish thing. It would be for me and and not something that Jesus is just doing through me uh or in me, you know, that that sort of thing. So. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one, just as a kind of wrap it out, wrap it up, read the book Humility. Just do it. Yeah. It's a short, it's a short book. It's like 85 pages. It's a short, long book, but long, short book. Yeah. The, the chapters, I, I, one of the, I always, I always love jumping back into it because it's like three or four pages and you're in the next chapter, sometimes one or two pages, Mm -hmm. you're in the next chapter. But then I remember as soon as I start reading it, I'm like, Oh wow, I needed to hear yeah, that. Like, and I need to read that again. And I got to read it again, <laughs> over and over, because he he uh, packs more content into a sentence mm-hmm. than I feel like I could ever do in pages. Do you know so. where Andrew Andrew Murray is from? Don't say it. South Africa. Is he really? Yeah. Yeah. So that, and then I think just for a landing place. Um, don't fall into the temptation of thinking that you are humble just because you you think poorly of yourself and don't yeah don't try and try and prove to God that you are humble like just rest in him seek yeah. after that slow your heart down i mean we've had a lot of a lot of conversations about like how do we just slow down before God and like rely upon him 
as the source, as the yeah. one. And what, what a great time to do so coming off the heels of uh, Good Friday and Easter, Easter where he just showed us that he is, he is worth it and he's done it. And he's, he's paid for our sin and he's offered us life. Yep. Amen. I got nothing to add. Cool. See you guys.